Welcome back to another edition of Robin's Ramblings. I am Robin Brady, and we see a lot and hear a lot of politicians in the news every day, reading their prepared talking points, saying and doing all the things that you expect politicians to say and to do. Sometimes, though, we tend to forget that these are real people who have real lives and real families. Monty McNaughton is a third-term MPP for Lambton-Kent Middlesex, also Ontario's Minister of Labour, Training and Skills Development. But he is also a husband and a dad and a son and joins me today for a non-partisan chat about life in politics. Welcome to the podcast, Monty. It's really a pleasure to have you. Well, Robin, thank you so much for having me. I've really been looking forward to this. <laughs> me too. We have known each other for quite some time professionally anyway. Um, but going back in your, your life, you started out as a kid working in your dad's hardware store in Newbury. How did you get from that to a life in politics? Well, it's interesting. I always say that I'm not allowed now as a minister of labor to say actually what age I started in our family <laughs> business because uh, there's uh, laws around that. But I did start, you know, sweeping the floors and cleaning the toilets at a very, very young age. Um, look, I, I got interested in politics because I read about my grandfather, uh, my dad's dad. I never met him. He passed away in 1972. Uh, he was the Reeve of Newbury for decades. And I read a story about him, how he literally came to build the Four Counties Hospital uh, in Newbury. He literally woke up one morning, said there should be a hospital there to serve uh, the residents of the Four Counties uh, area. And he literally fought for decades to get that hospital built. And that inspired me at a very, very young age. I knew uh, from the moment I read that story that I wanted to get into politics someday. That's awesome. And so you started out... Um, in a more local scale, you were on Newbury Council for a while. How did you make the transition from township council to provincial politics? Well, heck, it even started uh, much earlier. I think I was 19 or 20 when I got elected uh, to town council in Newbury. But like many uh, local kids, I joined our local students council uh, in elementary school and in secondary school uh, in Glencoe. And um, uh, as I said, I always knew I wanted to be in politics. In grade eight, I actually uh, was very fortunate. I applied to be a legislative page uh, in Queen's Park. So these are the grade seven and eight students that literally deliver water to MPPs, deliver paperwork. And um, I just, it was a, a fluke. I applied a, a kid from Newbury and uh, got selected. And that really got me focused on provincial politics. Again, fast forward um, till I was 19 or 20, I ran for council in Newbury, served uh, three terms there. Very much a volunteer job. I think uh, I got $35 a month, no matter how many wow. uh, meetings we had. And um, did that, loved it. My aunt, who's still the Reeve of Newbury, my, my grandfather's daughter, she's been the Reeve now for almost 35 years. And I learned a lot from her. Uh, and of course, during that time when I was on council, I also worked in our family hardware store. Now, as you were 19 when you got elected to town council, how were you sort of accepted around the council table? Because I know in our local council, there tend to be a lot of the, um, not necessarily old boys club, but councillors tend to be a little older. Did they take you seriously at 19? You know, I, I had a wonderful experience. They, they really did. Um, I was fortunate because I 
worked with people. I mean, I grew up with these people. They watched me grow up mm -hmm. uh, in, in the community. I mean, Newberry is a population of 400 people. We know each <laughs> other uh, pretty well, too, too well sometimes. Um, but uh, no, I think they enjoyed having a, a younger person on council. I brought, you know, new ideas. But I also remember in that first term, I spent a lot of time listening and learning. Um, and I think that bode well uh, for, for me on council and allowed me to work with, with the older councillors that nice. were there at the time. That's awesome. And so you took the jump, or at least attempted to take the jump into provincial politics with your first run in 2007. And we've sort of, I think that was probably my first meeting of you. You have always been a really good interview. And very casual. And I mean, you know, you stick to your talking points as every politician does, but you're also a very, a very casual speaker and a very sort of friendly outgoing. Do you like doing the media stuff? Is that a comfortable position for you? Yeah, I, I do like it. Look, uh, I think, you know, I try to speak like I would speak to customers at the hardware store. I mean, that it's small town, hometown uh, values or ways of doing things that I try to bring uh, to this job. I, I think it's very, very important to be very accessible uh, to the media, whether it's uh, locally uh, in Wallaceburg or Chatham or Strathroy, uh, but also with the Queen's Park uh, Press Gallery. I mean, I see sometimes how other politicians at different levels of government or, you know, in some cases, some of my uh, colleagues now or even former colleagues where they weren't open with the media and I just have taken a, a different approach. I think it's best to be uh, open and transparent, always tell the truth, uh, be honest. Um, I mean, now in this position uh, as minister, there's certain things obviously you can't comment on like cabinet meetings, for example, but I, I'm just a big believer in being open and transparent and, and trying to communicate in a way that I would want someone talking to me. I mean, yeah. I like sort of that down home uh, just very uh, easy to understand type of language. Do you notice a difference between local media and not to take shots at anybody, but the way that local media interacts with you as opposed to say the Queens Park media pool? Because I think that we as local media tend to be more friendly with our local politicians because, you know, we know you, we see you, we may run into you at the corner store sometimes. So it, there is that sort of camaraderie, whereas maybe in Toronto, there's not, that friendly connection? I guess I'm, I'm fortunate from the perspective that I served in opposition for a number of years. And again, we took this approach, my office staff and I, that we wanted to be open and transparent with the media. Um, I mean, locally, I notice, you know, people will say prior to the interview, you know, how's your daughter doing? You know, how are things in Newbury, for example? I mean, I think you and I have had some of these conversations I ask about yeah. Uh, your kids. So that might be a, a bit different, but really everyone's just doing their job. And uh, I've never, you know, touch wood. Um, it's always been based on, you know, the facts and I've enjoyed a, a pretty good relationship with media uh, all in all. Um, but you have to work at it and it's about building relationships, no different than, you know, stakeholders, for example, in, in this line of work. So let's talk about your family. Tell me about your wife, how you met her, where that all got started. You guys are such a cute couple. <laughs> well, um, we met uh, back in 2006. Uh, it's a, a funny story. She was going to Western. I'm uh, six, six and a half years older than my wife, although she likes to round it to seven. Uh, <laughs> but I'm six and a half years older than my wife. And 
Um, I was running, as you mentioned, in that 2007 campaign, the one that I lost provincially. And uh, so I started campaigning in, back in 2006. We had to go through the nomination process. And she actually was working for uh, someone that I hired to give assistance uh, to our campaign to manage the database and, and run sort of the technology side of the campaign. And uh, she often jokes how um, she ended up marrying her client. So we have uh, lots of uh, jokes about that, but that, that's how we met. It was in Strathroy, Alexander Park. I remember the night. We just talked about it actually the other day. And um, I mean, I, I remember shaking her hand and saying, I really want to, uh, you know, meet her and get to know her. And um, a year and a half later, we were, uh, we were married. That's awesome. And now you have a little girl, Annie. She's what, six now? Just turned seven. Uh, Did she really? Ago. And so how is she with having a dad in politics? I mean, obviously, she's never known anything different, but that's a whole lifestyle unto itself. I mean, she's grown up with it, so I, mm-hmm. she doesn't know anything different. You're right. But she really is so positive. I mean, she comes to events, at least prior to COVID. Yeah. We haven't been going to a whole <laughs> lot of events during our COVID. Right. But um, no, she's uh, adapted well. She you know, loves going to local events and going to local restaurants in the morning, which I tend to do around the riding, uh, just to, to talk to local people. Um, it, it was funny, one memory this summer, it was a really hot day. One of those days where it was like 32 or 33 degrees, and then the humidity on top of that. She said to me, she goes, Daddy, I want to call Doug Ford. And <laughs> I said, I'm like, why do you want to call Doug? She goes, I want to talk to him. Because Kate comes from a large family. She's the second oldest of 10 kids. Um, and that's why we have one child today, by the way. <laughs> but, um, she's the second oldest of 10 kids. And two of her youngest brothers are twins. They work in construction. And one of them had heat stroke on the job. Oh. So she wanted to call Doug and say, you know, Doug, she likes to say Uncle Doug. Um, one of my uncles had a heat stroke. Any advice that you can give these workers for working out in the heat? And to Doug's credit, he uh, actually called us because I said Annie wanted to talk to him and he immediately called and he said, you know, Annie, my daughter and son-in-law had a heat stroke when they were in Florida one time. They went to the hospital and the doctor said, drink Gatorade. So tell your uncles to drink a lot of Gatorade. <laughs> but, you know, it's, she just, I mean, she knows who Doug Ford is. She knows that I'm the Minister of Labor Training and Skills Development. We have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, it's just, it's fun. You have to, as as part of being an MPP during normal times, live in Toronto for a good chunk of the time when you're working. How is that as a dad, as a husband, having to be away so often? Yeah, it, it's tough. Um, you know, again, to be uh, very transparent, I'm one of the lucky ones uh, in politics. My wife and daughter uh, come, to, come with me uh, to Toronto. So as long as my wife has a, a computer in front of her, she can work uh, from, from anywhere. But I'm very fortunate because the legislature sits from September until June. It's actually the school calendar. They do the commute back and forth. I mean, we load up our minivan on Sunday at about three or four in the afternoon. Uh, We go to Toronto and then we come back for the weekend so I can do a constituency work. That's amazing. That's a really good, good schedule having that. Who knew that that would work out so well, eh? Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's lucky. I mean, it's uh, because of my wife. I mean, let me tell you, for her to, you know, to, to put up with this for so many years, we're going on 10 years uh, next year uh, as the local MPP, and we've done this routine uh, for, for all of those 10 years. Now, with them in Toronto, it must make it a little easier, but 
balancing the political work and the family side, uh, because I mean, there's, there's meetings that can go on late into the night, there's travel involved. Is it a challenge for you? Yeah, I mean, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't. Um, certainly, um, especially now being in government, having the responsibility and the honor to serve as a, a minister in, in the cabinet certainly takes you around the province uh, a lot more. Um, but again, I, I really do put my family front and center. I mean, my family is by far the most important thing uh, to me. I, I, I'm really just very lucky, as I said, that as you know, Robin, kids change every single day, especially when they're young uh, and probably during their teenage years, but I have yet to experience that yet. But I mean, I, I get to, you know, put my daughter to bed most nights and I'm, I'm there when she wakes up in the morning. One thing I will say too, my daughter has the same sleep schedule as me. So she loves to get up at like 5.30 or 6 o'clock every morning. Uh, so that's a benefit too, because I get to, you know, see her in the morning. That's amazing. That's awesome. So with politics these days, it seems to be that there is this idea with some people that if you don't agree with someone's politics, then they are your mortal enemy and you are free to say whatever critical things you want, especially with social media. How do you balance that or deal with that as a person and as a dad and a husband? Because you want to, I'm sure, protect them and shield them from whatever happens to come. But there's also the, you know, just having to deal with people who are critical of you without even knowing you as a person. Yeah, certainly. I mean, look, I, I hate the way politics has become. It's become very divisive. I mean, we're seeing what's happening down in the United States. I think, uh, quite frankly, it's disgusting. We need to respect different points of view. I mean, look, um, I, you know, receive in, in this riding, you know, sort of 50 to 55% of the vote. That means there's, you know, almost the, you know, the amount of people that are voting for me, there's that same amount that, you know, aren't voting for me. Um, but, you know, you just got to be cordial, uh, listen, uh, respect different points of view. I mean, certainly I do everything I can to protect uh, my family. I mean, they're not going through some of the social media responses um, after a, a post goes out. But I mean, generally, again, touch wood, I've been very you know, fortunate that I haven't had, you know, that backlash that maybe some others have had. Now it, it could change by the time this podcast goes uh, right. <laughs> uh, online, it could change. But one of the movies I just watched, uh, actually, that was interesting. It was about uh, Bill Davis, Premier Davis called The Art of the Possible. Darcy McHugh uh, from Chatham Kent plays a, a leading role who's one of my mentors. But it really speaks to a different time in politics where you really listen to other points of view and, and work together. Um, we need that more so, you know, we need to bring that back. Yeah, absolutely. How does it affect Kate? Does she wade into the social media aspect of it very much or does she try and stay away from that? Yeah, no, she, I mean, she does her own thing on uh, social yeah. media, not not related to politics. Um, she doesn't wade into it, but I will say, I mean, she's a, a great resource for me. I can't tell you over the years how many times I've bounced ideas off of her and she'll be like, I, I don't think this is going to sell too well in the public or, you know, just to get that, gut reaction. Mm -hmm. um, and it's always good to have a sounding board at home. Annie's still being relatively young. She's not really going to be affected by that. Do you worry about her as she gets older? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think about it from from time to time. I mean, uh, you know, we have a lot of fun with politics, but there's also, um, you know, there's also a downside from a, a pu public perspective, criticism, 
Um, but I think this will, you know, teach her to be stronger, uh, hopefully in, in the years to come. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about pandemic life, because I know that that has sort of put everything on its head the last four or five months. You are working from home a lot of the time now. What's that been like as, I mean, because we've all seen the videos of different parents doing like a Zoom call and the kids come wandering in or you're trying to, you know, do some, write a press release or work on something and, you know, the phone's ringing and the family's coming and going. How's that? Well, it's been, uh, it's been a challenge. Like <laughs> every single family uh, out there, Robin, I'm sure you have some, uh, some stories to tell as well. <laughs> Um, but, you know, to focus on the positives, um, you know, got to see my family a whole lot more than I would have uh, otherwise. I do have to just put a plug in um, my trade skills. My skilled trade skills are uh, improving. I built a trade <laughs> uh, during the pandemic, uh, worked with my uh, neighbor who's uh, been in the skilled trades for about 40 years. I, I was the apprentice uh, on the job, but we did build a, a tree house and pretty excited uh, about that. Um, otherwise, if the pandemic wasn't here, I probably wouldn't have had time uh, to do that. But certainly, um, I mean, it's been challenging. Like I'm in uh, a downstairs uh, bedroom right now. Uh, it's now a, a makeshift Zoom center to make all the calls. <laughs> but uh, anyways, just like everyone else, I, I remember back in the early months, probably the first eight weeks of the pandemic. I mean, we had cabinet calls starting at four in the afternoon and they were seven days a week and they would last sometimes till 11 o'clock or midnight. I mean, very, uh, you know, a lot of pressure and really a lot of unknowns uh, during the early days of the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, the role of, of government, again, we're not trying to get political, but that's a pretty heavy job when you're, when you're, you know, trying to balance being at home. That's a lot of heavy lifting for an MPP and a minister to be dealing with that. There's the confusion, there's not necessarily panic, but there's a lot of anxiety for your family that goes with being in the beginning stages of a pandemic and you being one of the people who's trying to, you know, keep things together provincially. Yeah, I mean, again, I was like every other family. I remember, you know, my wife going to the grocery store and I don't, I, I would hate to think what that first bill was. Uh, at the grocery store, but it was, I'm sure, hundreds of dollars, you know, filling up the minivan because who knew what was going to happen? I mean, I, I think there was a point where there was speculation that gas stations were going to close, uh, for example, in the early days, but uh, it was uh, certainly just unknown times. And, but, you know, I was like every other family, we left uh, Toronto uh, just before the March break. And this has been the largest, or sorry, the longest March break in the history of the world, that's for sure. Right. Is Annie looking forward to getting back to school? Yeah, she is. I mean, she, she's anxious. Uh, there's mm -hmm. no doubt. Her mom is uh, anxious as well. But um, she is very, very excited to see her friends. Um, she mentions that on a daily basis now. She starts, you know, naming names and trying to get her mom to organize uh, FaceTime calls with them in advance. So it's, it's quite fun. Yeah, so she is for sure going back. You're not going to do the online learning at all? Heck no, she's going back to school. Um, I mean, it's important to us too because uh, Kate also um, has to go back to work. Uh, she was laid off for, for a few months uh, during this, but uh, she resumes back in uh, September and she has to check in uh, to a physical office even though she works remotely most of the time. Uh, but, you know, it's like many families. I mean, it's uh, important for us that we have, you know, somewhere to send our kids. Yeah, absolutely. So in the in the spring, we were all doing that online learning and the the at home stuff. How'd you guys do with that? 
Uh, horrifically. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I mean, we really tried, you know, every day, but there were times uh, where, you know, nine o'clock, Annie would log, log in and she would turn over at us and the tears were coming down her eyes. I mean, uh. she was in grade one and, you know, they wanted hours a day uh, online and it was just really hard. I mean, there were, there were a lot of good days, but there were, you know, challenging times for sure. How are you as a substitute teacher? Uh, Kate is much better than me. <laughs> We'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, it's the same in our house. I don't have the the temperament to be a teacher. And God bless them because they have their work cut out for them. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I always say there's generations of uh, school teachers in our family. I'm, I'm not one of them, but yeah, God bless them. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk future. What, what comes next for Monty McNaughton? Well, we know we have an election in 2022. So mm-hmm. we'll be focusing uh, on that. I mean... The immediate future is uh, obviously work-wise is to get through the pandemic. We've got to eradicate uh, COVID-19 from from the province. Uh, the people have done a, a great job. They just got to keep doing what they're doing. Um, for me, it's it'll be focusing on the election. You know, after that, obviously, uh, one of my missions, um, not to talk work too much, but yep. you know, we've got to get more people in the skilled trades, which will really benefit you know, Southwestern Ontario and, and Lambton, Kent, Middlesex, lots of opportunities for, for young people in the trades. Uh, but the, the focus will be on 2022, you know, professionally anyways. So you ran for the leadership of the party once before. Do you have those higher aspirations still or are you, you're comfortable with where you are? Look, that was a uh, long, long time ago. Um, you know, my focus is 2022 and to continue serving uh, Premier Ford and, and all of the people. I mean, uh, I think Doug, I've said this a thousand times, he just, I, I think he's done a remarkable job. The amount of compliments, even from people that may be on opposite sides of the uh, political, you know, teams, they have been saying uh, great things and uh, he'll be leading us into the next election and hopefully the one after that. Yeah. Okay. Now let's talk just a couple of quick, uh, short bursts. What's your favorite color? Blue. What's your favorite movie? Um, Love Actually. Oh, nice. Not what I was expecting. That's awesome. Uh, what about music? What do you like to listen to? Country and Western, Garth Brooks. Really? Awesome. Absolutely. I've seen him about four or five times in concert. I love him. Oh, no way. Um, do you have a favorite vacation spot? Disney. Yeah. What do you like about Disney? Uh, my wife loves it so much. And, you know, having a happy wife is very, very important. Now, it's, <laughs> it's, a, great, it's a great family place. And, you know, we, we love it. I mean, we don't go every year, but when I think back of the memories we've made as a family, Disney has been a, a good spot. Yeah. What is your favorite kind of food? Oh, I'm, my, my favorite meal is a really good cheeseburger. Do you have, what's your favorite restaurant to go to? Well, if I'm picking a fast food restaurant, I, I like Wendy's. Okay. And what about, because I know that you are big on supporting the local businesses. Yes. What's your favorite place to go in town? Well, uh, one place I go uh, often is a local restaurant called The Little Beaver. I love their breakfast. Love The Little Beaver too. We've been there yeah, a number and, of times. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I've got, <laughs> I love Parks Blueberries for lunch. If I was to pick a lunch place, Parks Blueberries is amazing. I love their Caesar salad. Absolutely. Have you ever been there for breakfast? I've not actually. I've you need to go. Parks okay. is great for okay. breakfast. Yeah. The waffles with the blueberries and the whipped cream and oh, to die for. You'll love it. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for your time, Monty. I really appreciate it. It's been, it's been great to chat with you as a person, not necessarily as a politician.
Great. Thanks, Robin. And thanks for doing this. I'm excited to listen to uh, other interviews as well. Yeah, for sure. And thank you so much for listening. Once again, I always appreciate your time. We'll talk again soon. Mm-hmm.